Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And whew, uh, we are actually talking about the show now, and it's a hell of a pilot. And oh my. I, I think what I like most about this pilot, right, is it managed to trick the network into putting the show Wise Guy on the air. Because there's so much about this pilot that isn't reflective of the show to come. You know, uh, mainly the villain of the pilot. <laughs> but it is, it's got, it's got great character moments. It's got wonderful action scenes. It's got a huge twist right in the middle of it that fascinates me that we're going to talk about it. But most importantly, like, it's got the kind of bombastic action that Stephen J. Cannell was known for, yep. but that they had no intention of putting in the actual show. And so they put it all in the pilot to sell the pilot, and then they go off and make the show they want to make. Because you look at something like Crime Story, how every three episodes, there would be a big gun battle full of explosions, right? Yeah. Because that is the kind of show they wanted to make. You know, this big... You know, this big, sexy, stylized, Miami Vice type of thing. That's not Wise Guy at all. But I feel no. like they had to convince why they, they had to convince people that that would be Wise Guy in order to let them make Wise Guy. To the point where it's like, as I said last week, uh, at, at one point, somebody blows up a helicopter with a rocket launcher in this show. And this is not the kind of show where helicopters get blown up with rocket launchers. This isn't Airwolf. And if you don't know what Airwolf is, I'm very sorry for you. Because uh, Airwolf was something else. You remember Airwolf? Yes, a long time ago. Well. It wasn't one of my favorites. It wasn't a great show. Uh, but if we all remember Knight Rider. Okay, well, what was uh, what if Knight Rider had been a helicopter and every week they just blew a lot of stuff up. Like every problem was solved by just shooting people with machine guns and blowing up trucks. That That's what Airwolf was. And that was a popular show for three years. Until, you know, the celebrity's cocaine problem, uh, the main character's cocaine problem kind of killed the show. Uh, speaking of cocaine problems, Ray Sharkey. No? Yeah. Was that, was that too, uh, <laughs> was that too glib? Was that horrible? <laughs> well, I mean, no, it's not like he was the first person. No, he wasn't have, the first person to have that kind of issue. So anyway. His career destroyed by... Uh, I mean, that's the thing. The crazy thing about Ray Sharkey is, I mean, he, he died of AIDS from needle sharing. Yeah. Like, he uh, he was he had a real cocaine problem that hurt his career. And at the same time, I'll say it, that cocaine problem got us some amazing performances. <laughs> yes, well, that's that's the problem with it, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. It really it's, is. I mean, that's the problem with the drug itself. Is it okay? gives you so much confidence. Yeah. And, I mean, famously it does. Like, uh, cocaine just gives you completely, uh, you know, just like complete confidence. You just burst ahead doing things and the funny part is like if you're someone who isn't talented well there's a lot of movies that were created by people who don't know what they're doing creating like doing cocaine uh but at the uh -huh. same time if you're a talented guy like ray sharkey it just takes off all of the blocks in your performance and you're able to do something completely incredible i'm not ever encouraging anyone to do cocaine what i'm saying is they're in a very real way we have cocaine to thank for Ray Sharkey's performance in Wise Guy. Well, you can put it that way. <laughs> Again, not the best way to put it if you I want to sound like I'm against cocaine, which I am. But, you know, <laughs> it is it is something I don't think we can uh, overlook. Seriously, though. All right. The show, wonderful opening because uh, it starts with Vinny getting out of prison and there's no twist, there's no reveal. Like, the first thing he does when he gets out of prison is he phones his, you know, he phones his FBI contact and says, I'm out, let's have a meeting to debrief. Mm -hmm. And we meet his, we meet his boss, the guy who recruited him to the program. We meet Frank, who, of course, is uh, our beloved Jonathan Banks. 
Yes. Who would go on to be a big star 30 years after this show. (laughs) On Breaking Bad. On Breaking Bad. uh, 25 years later. uh, People, as they said in the casting thing, it's like, well, we need some guy to play a a tough guy who works for... uh, who works for Saul. And then one of the faces, uh, one of the people that the casting director sent over was Jonathan Banks. And they were like, from Wise Guy? Yeah, no, he can just have the job. We don't need yeah. to audition him. Just hire him. It's fine. Uh, which I thought was pretty beautiful. Uh, so we meet Jonathan Banks and we find out uh, a bit of the backstory. The term super duck is used a couple of times in the first episode, which is going to confuse some people. Because uh, it's it's a thing. Duck is deep undercover. And the idea of the super deep undercover program is, and this is what's so innovative about the show, and in fact, the character of Vinny, is that it's the idea that you go undercover using your own name and identity. So normally when people go undercover, they come up with a quote-unquote legend, a backstory. A, f- a fake person is created, they inhabit that fake person, and they pretend to be that person. And there's a bunch of files backing that up. And so the secret is, right, that, you know, that uh, the secret trying to keep is that you're not really this person. Yeah. Whereas the idea of super deep undercover is, you go undercover as yourself. Yeah. Like, he, everyone thinks he is a monster. And that's the the thing that they don't fully explain, but it's what this program is about, is that he joined, like, he went to college, he joined the FBI, and before they even started training, right, they picked him for this program because they had to arrange him to wash out of the FBI, do his training separately, and then go and start committing crimes. Like actually going out and committing crimes and then commit a crime and get caught and then actually go to jail for any, as they say, 18 months. And he's, uh, and he's kind of pissed when he gets out that he had to do the whole 18, uh, which was nice. But as Frank says, it helps set your cover because it looks like you didn't get any favors in there. Yeah. Which is nice. I, I like that idea. But yeah, and so that's the thing. And you may remember this premise as the premise of Infernal Affairs and The Departed, which also used this basic premise. Were they inspired by Wise Guy? I don't know. I can't say for sure. Presumably, Wise Guy's fantastic. But the key idea is Vincent Terranova, like, is not a fake identity. He's a real person. We meet his mother. Like, uh, we meet his, his brother. brother who, yeah, the brother who's a priest. We'll meet the mother soon enough. Right? And... Everyone in his life, and this is the key part, doesn't necessarily, like, no one in his life except, sorry, yes, no one in his life except for his brother knows that he's in the FBI. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing. (laughs) It's such a great premise. Mm -hmm. Because, for all intents and purposes, he is a criminal. Yeah. You know? And I adore that. And it keeps getting better. (laughs) Yeah. I know. The usefulness of all of that. He's a guy from the neighborhood and he's mobbed up. Yeah. He's a guy from the neighborhood. He's already worked as a criminal, right? He is mobbed up, as you say, quite correctly. Right. And so what I love is it takes that as the jumping off point and then does some incredibly interesting things because his boss, Stan, the same night he gets out, uh, gets shot. Mm. By Dave Steelgrave. Dave Steelgrave being a New Jersey mob boss, right? Uh, Dave Steelgrave is a New Jersey mob boss who they've been trying to get for years. Some indictments are coming down. Stan had some evidence. He was going to testify against him. He gets lured lured into a parking garage by one of his informants and gets shot to death right before he was set to quit his job, testify against the mob, and retire. So is it a cliche setup? Yes. So it's what? absolutely a cliche setup. It's what you do with it, right? It's exactly. And <laughs> I'm sure, and remember, if there's one thing Stephen Cannell will already know is how the guys at the network think. Yep. And 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 they, they don't like innovation. They want something that they know will sell. Right? So absolutely. This is this is cliche though it may be. 
they will understand it. Yeah. You don't have to explain it to them. To use the vernacular, it will play in Peoria. Yes, it will play in Peoria and that's all you want. Yeah, and uh, that's that's totally the case. And that's what fascinates me is, so they jump in and it's why the show gets so innovative. So Vinny says, they they killed Stan. So I want to be put in the Steelgrave organization. And yeah. he is willing to quit the FBI over this. Because mm-hmm. he's like, his thought is, and his only thought is, I'm going to get the guy who got my boss, who recruited him, and uh, the guy who recruited me, who I have this relationship with. And there's a nice note in there where <laughs> Frank tries to remind him, and this is going to be a thing in their relationship going forward. <laughs> it's just a job. Like, Stan wasn't your dad. It was. It's just a job. You know, you can't take this part of it personally. And that's something Vinny's always going to have a problem with. <laughs> throughout the entire three years he's the key character yeah that's that's always going to be a major issue for Vinny. but right now they they put the stakes up there right okay stan is dead dave and i mean they don't know dave did it but they know dave pretty sure they know dave was responsible whether he pulled the trigger or not because he's the head of the steel rave organization the indictment was against dave steel grave so obviously obviously he's the one that they are aiming at quite reasonably and this is where it gets interesting because his plan for getting in the Steelgrave organization is kind of insane. But very interesting as well, I thought. Uh, his his plan is um, Sonny Steelgrave, Dave's younger brother, is known to be a hothead. Yep. And he, he's known to be a hothead. <laughs> he used to bowl, uh, box he golden gloves. Yeah. Golden Gloves, which if you don't know what Golden Gloves is, it's an American thing for amateur boxers. It's like yes. it's like the Olympics of amateur boxing and all across the country there are different Golden Gloves organizations and people boxing it. Like it's it's a mm-hmm. very interesting thing. So but they had both boxed that in the past. So he goes, he gets a job at the place they favor, like the, the place they're for always the restaurant they favor. Yeah, for the restaurant yeah. they favor. Gets himself a job by and um Right away, and this is a nice touch, I thought. Exploiting the uh, shift manager's greed right away. Yeah. Because everything is exploitation in this world. And so he says, I'm just out of the pen and I need a job. And the interesting thing is, he's not on parole. He did the full 18 months. Yeah. But he doesn't say that. Because people in the position of the shift manager understand that people who just get out of jail, if they don't find a job right away, if they're on parole, they are going to have to go right back to jail. Yeah. And so when Vinny says to him, uh, I get paid five bucks an hour, I will kick back three of that to you. (laughs) The guy's like, sure, what the hell? $120 more a week? You know, to put someone else on the payroll, I'll take that because, and this is key about the world. Everybody's running a scam. Yeah, everybody has an angle. Everybody's running a scam in the world that all these people live in, and you can make the argument in the real world as well, like in our world as well. Uh, so he gets himself a job as a busboy, spills some soup on Sunny. Uh, you know, tries, you know, apologizes, but the mob guys, you know, give him a hard time. He gives him a hard time back. Sonny, you know, says, let's take this outside and asks him if he wants to meet at a, uh, a warehouse on the pier. This is all set in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in case we haven't made that clear. I don't think we yeah. have. And the Steel Graves run casinos in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and that is the legitimate business from out of which they do all of their crime. Mm-hmm. and so of course Vinny shows up he gets into a fight with Sonny they have a fist fight he, he, he's about to beat Sonny you know almost unconscious then he drops his hands and lets Sonny win and takes a you know a vicious beating mm-hmm. because he's showing Sonny that he's a serious guy but he understands respect and he understands face he understands the pecking order yeah exactly <laughs> Sonny has to win this or things are going to escalate Right. Yeah, Sonny would have to win this fight or things are going to escalate. And so that's a, it's a nice scene. Again, it's showing how this world, like it's, it's a really good scene, I think, because not only does it show us how smart Vinny is, it shows us how this world works. Yeah. And that's why they recruit Vinny, because he does live in that world, as we will 
you know, I mean, he's always known this world yeah. from the time he was growing up, yeah. even though he wasn't supposed to be part of it. And he did go. He's to not mobbed he, up. Yeah. His dad wasn't mobbed up, but he knows guys. Yeah. And always has. Yeah. And, and if you want to go back and watch Goodfellas, right, you will see the same thing with Henry Higgs. Hill. Hill. Henry yeah. Hill. Right. Exactly. Except that he wanted to be part of the mob. <laughs> yeah. And Vinny could have been part of the mob. He could have joined up. Like, again. At that point. Uh, yeah. When he was a kid. But he always had a problem with the mob. He didn't like the guys. And so he became a cop. Well, it was his mother's influence and his father didn't really want him to be in in the mob either. So exactly. His father wanted to keep him out uh, away from the bad kids. And he's got a brother with a good head on his shoulders. And a brother who becomes a Roman Catholic priest. Priest. So, you know, there you go. uh, You know, it's a typical Italian (laughs) structure. Like I I watched this, you know. (laughs) Yeah. No, and it's just, yeah, it feels very authentic. The writing, especially him and his brother. And later we'll see him and his mother. But yeah, especially him and his uh, brother. They really do get that right. And there's a very on the nose scene with him and his brother. And I think it's the one scene in the episode where I'd be very much like, um, this is too on the nose. <laughs> when he's talking to his brother about why he became a cop and, how, you know, it's like, and how, you know, God won't necessarily provide for people. And, you know, you need you need a government there to help make sure these bad guys get taken down and the decent, hardworking people get help. And I'm like, we get it. Come on. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're going to get that again. Vinny. believes the american dream he does that's true that is it's that's integral to his instant yeah Yeah. that and and that is integral to everything that follows in in the three years he's in the series because it is really hard for him there are for him the world is black and white yeah not the same way it is for his brother but it is still and for him, the government is the church. Yeah, no, that's true. The FBI is his church. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's and he fits right in because like 60% of the FBI are Roman Catholics. Yeah. Yeah, the huge number of FBI Roman Catholic. He fits right in in that attitude. But you're right, because it is, the FBI and the church are both places where there's easy ideas about what is wrong and what is right, where morality... Well, in the same way that the church has the Bible, uh, the uh, the FBI has a criminal code that tells you what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And as and long as you stick by the book, you'll be fine. And that's, that is why this is such a great show when you've watched the whole thing and then you have to go back and watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But it is that there is a, what we always talk about in shows, there is a clear being set up moral quandary that is going to make vince constantly have problems constantly question the world yeah in the end right he's gonna he has to yeah right because things don't quite go the way he thinks they're they well they never do be they never go uh, like nothing is ever as simple as Vinny wants it to be yeah and uh, these guys are bad these guys are good yeah, and he wants it to that. be that easy, and it's just not that easy. So Vinny shows up, and he wants to work there. Um, we haven't mentioned Tony Greco, who's an important character in the first episode, the two-parter. That is uh, the second-in-command under Sonny. So Dave and Sonny run things, and Tony Greco is there, essentially, in the world of the mob. Consigliere. Con- well, he's not their consigliere exactly, right? Because the consigliere is the guy who advises you. But the idea is, in the world of the mob, generally, and Sonny doesn't exactly do this, um, the bosses don't actually talk to many people about crime unless they're they're talking to other bosses. What you have is a guy underneath you, you only talk to him, and he's the one who actually goes and talks to the lieutenants and gives them their marching orders and does all of that. That way there's no record. That's what Sammy the Bull Gravano was for um, John Gotti. John Gotti's going to come up a lot over the next four weeks when we start talking about Pat. all you have to look as yeah but all you have to do is look at the way they dress yes exactly and look at john Gotti, right yeah no they all have that look to him but there's a character who is 100 percent inspired by john Gotti in the show 
But yeah, the famous Samuel, yeah. the Bull Gravano, was the the second in command, the guy who actually talked to lieutenants and got things done and killed people for him. And that's the one who turned, and that's the only way they could ever get John Gotti, because John Gotti only talked to Sammy the Bull, right? Yeah. And in the same way, that's Tony Greco's job, right? He's the one who handles the day-to-day of dealing with criminal enterprises, which ends up causing some problems for them. As as we will find out as we go along. Yeah. So he immediately doesn't like uh he immediately doesn't like Vinny because he doesn't like anyone horning in on his action. Like he is the guy who talks to everybody, who does everything, who handles the muscle work, and anybody else coming in that Sonny seems to like, well that's a threat to him. Yeah, and it's and because they have this this um this boxing gloves, the golden gloves. Yeah, the golden gloves, gloves thing, history. Yeah. That's that's the thing that sort of binds them initially. Exactly. They have this backstory, they have a shared interest, and they have this fist fight that leads them to respect one another. Yes. Sonny does respect Vinny because as as we see in that scene, he didn't chicken out. He like uh he knows yeah. who Sonny is, but he still showed up for the fight. Yes. And as uh, as Vinny says like if I don't respect myself, how the hell is anyone else supposed to respect me? Yeah, which is a nice, uh, which is a nice comment. I like that. And uh, then, of course, Sonny, uh, you know, Sonny hires Vinny to be his new driver, and he shows him around. You know, she gives them the lay of the land and reminds him that the stakes are: you end up buried on the turnpike somewhere if this doesn't work out. Yes, that's <laughs> which true. I, I like that a lot. I like that. I like that scene. I like the line, and I love um, Sonny's performance in that scene because he's so garrulous and friendly and enjoyable and it's like he seems so immediately intimate and chummy even when he's threatening to kill Vinny if anything goes wrong yeah it's it's such a good character mm-hmm. no he is he he is um yeah I mean it's fast it is it is fascinating watching um Sunny yeah and you know it, it it just gets more and more involved like he becomes this real character yeah he a real person right mm-hmm. ne- he never ceases he's yeah it it to watch this we're just talking about the pilot we're just talking but you about can't, the pilot. you know and in the pilot yes you see you know he's going to and he just assumes naturally that that Sonny that that Vinny's going to want all these things. Yeah, you know, here, here. Well, this penthouse is empty right now, so you can move in there. And yeah. there's a Porsche here, downstairs. You know, there's a Porsche downstairs for you, and you you're going to have to go and get these clothes. And the rest of it, you're going to hang around with me. You have to look good. Yeah. And Lord only knows, does Ken Wall look good? Oh my God, Ken Wall! <laughs> like it's. He is a, again, like a cartoonishly handsome man. Like, yeah, it's no, ridiculous I mean, yeah. how good looking this man is. Yeah. And man, can he wear a suit? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. And, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that would attract you in the first place. Just, just looking at him is worth watching the show just to watch him. Yeah. Just look at this unbelievably beautiful man. Yeah, it's really, 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 really strange. Right? It's bracing. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, yeah. he's this crazy handsome guy who, of course, had a good career being handsome before the show. I mean, there's the famous story about him in the t- in the movie The Wanderers, where like he was hired to be one of the background members of the gang, and he got there for the like the weekend, learn how to be in a '60s gang course, and the director yeah. saw him and they're like, "Why is this man not playing the lead?" Look at him. <laughs> yeah. How is he not playing the lead? And after that weekend, he was playing the lead. <laughs> yeah, because he just looks good on camera. Oh, he looks fantastic on camera. He just and takes up the whole frame. It's it's yeah, amazing. Uh, there's this, you know, and you want to have your lead um, um, control the room. Yeah, exactly. You need them to believably be the focus. And, like, believably that everyone would have their eyes on him, which they absolutely would. Again, look at this man. Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, then, of course, the after we've introduced everyone, there's one more character uh, we haven't mentioned, which is Tracy Steelgrave, Dave's daughter, 
who never shows up again after the pilot. No. Well, she moves out to California. Well, she already lived in California. Well, she moved well because we haven't yeah. explained. Well, and we'll get there in we one second. Yes. Yeah, we'll get there in one we, second. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and that's where, but like, what I love about the introduction of Tracy, right, is that it, like, here's a possible romantic interest for Vinny, and she's got conflict because she's ambivalent about her being in the world of the mob and it's like how she had to move to california to get away because here everyone assumes she's mobbed up and like she could never date because who would date the daughter of you know of dave steelgrave the scariest mobster in atlantic city and so she she fled as far as she can and she visits a couple of times a year and she's nice to everybody but she gets away as fast as she can and you're thinking this could be an interesting relationship like we could see what happens with her and Vinny going forward because he's so desperate to get her father because he's got this grudge against her father and like needs to destroy him and bring him down at any cost well how's that going to affect if this relationship plays out like it's all very interesting and there's a lot of super interesting places it could go and then we get into the meat of the episode which is what we'll (laughs) discuss now Mm -hmm. so we've reached the point where Vinny is embroiled in the mob world and then we've had their first conflict in that mob world which is Somebody is moving guns on the docks that they own, that Tony Greco runs, right? So there's this guy, he's paid them to move crates, but the crates are full of guns that are obviously hugely illegal. So Tony says he doesn't know about this. So he has uh, Vinny and Tony pick this guy up. Tony doesn't want Vinny along, but Sonny says take him because he's got to learn the business. He might as well have a driver anyway. And when we get there, we find out through, you know, little snippets of dialogue that Tony got paid by this guy a good amount of money to hide his illegal stuff on the dock. But Tony didn't clear it with the steel graves and he didn't kick any money up to them. Yeah. And there was your big mistake. And But we should have we should have explained that 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 Vinny's job is yes. now. To be Sonny Steelgrave's driver. Yeah, Sonny Steelgrave's driver is his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Um, so anyway, yes, let's go back. So yeah, I mean, we find out the kick, the kickback, the kick up. I guess you would yeah. call it isn't made. Yeah, exactly. They don't kick it's, the. He's he doesn't doing kick this... the twenty-five percent upstairs. He's supposed to, right? He's supposed to kick X amount of percent upstairs, but he's keeping it for himself, and so he kills the guy. You know, he gets the guy alone in a room on Coney Island. Not Coney Island, Coney Island, sorry. Uh, what do they call the pier where the um, where the roller coasters are in Jersey? I don't remember, but it's, you know, next. <laughs> it's whatever the they call walk. the pier. Yeah, the, the part yeah. of the boardwalk where the roller coasters are. He takes him to a shed to quote-unquote interrogate him, but he just murders the guy, so the guy won't be able to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get, uh, and then of course... Sonny and Dave are unhappy to uh, are very unhappy to find out that the guy's guy dead die. before they can interview him. Yeah. Of course, Tony left uh, left Vinny alone with the guy, so he claims that Vinny, Vinny must have done it. something or Vinny screwed up. But it's like, yeah, but you padlocked the door of the guy the, the room the guy was in, and the padlock is still there. I don't really think you're selling this very well, Tony. But Tony's scrambling at this point, so yeah. the fact that he's not doing a very good job. Isn't a huge shock. Uh, So they go, they bury the corpse and they have a bit of a problem because they get pulled over by the cops who love to harass mobsters. And this is something I'm disappointed to see doesn't come back later because in order to keep Tony from murdering the two cops, uh, Sonny rams, uh, sorry, Sonny, Vinny rams their car and then drives off and gets himself busted and then has to be bailed out by uh, by Sonny. And uh, he, in fact, he makes the mistake of first asking Frank to get him out. And Frank's like, we can't. Like, because no. if, we, if we spring you... They'll know. They'll, they'll know. You rammed a cop car. You gotta go down for this. And so just wait. Get the best possible attorney. And, you know, you'll just work it out later. Yeah. And Sonny gets him the best yeah, best Sonny, attorney. Exactly. And Sonny bails him out. He gets him the best attorney. And he like he's like, yeah, it was smarter to, you know, get arrested 
and get away with the body rather than murdering two cops. Even Sonny can see that. And Sonny's a hothead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then we find out what was going on. They steal all the guns. They find, uh, he finds, he has Frank finds, uh, Vinny has Frank find out where the uh, scientist, who's the guy they, uh, that, uh, that Tony killed, or where the scientist is staying. They go to that motel. They find a woman there. They figure she's connected to whoever owns the guns. And they make a call and say, let's sell you the guns. We'll sell you back the guns. And it gets very nice from here. Because this is where the show's big twist happens. And, you see, we started watching the show midway through. So I have no idea how this played for someone watching it the first time. And if you're listening to this and you watched the episode before you started hearing us talk about it, uh, we would be interested to hear what you thought of the mid-episode twist. Because they go for a meeting with the arms dealer and his henchman and his secretary, the lady who Vinny found, the yes, doctor's in this apartment. skeezy motel. In this skeezy motel. Uh, they, <laughs> they have a meeting with them. And this guy says, I gave you, uh, you know, it's like I gave the doctor who invented this gun that I'm buying off of him $100,000 to make the correct payoffs. And he said he paid it off. And of course, Tony says he's lying, blah, blah, blah. The things get escalate, uh, things escalate, they get heated. And then everybody starts shooting. And Dave Steelgrave gets killed. Yep. And I can't imagine what that was like watching the first time. Because it's such a huge reversal of what you're expecting the show to be. Yeah. Like, Dave Steelgrave is the guy who killed his friend. Dave Steelgrave is the guy he's there to get at. Dave Steelgrave is the guy he wants to take down more than anything else. And that character gets killed halfway through the episode. And it, it killing off Dave Steelgrave opens up what the show can do more than anything else possibly could have. Yeah, no, because it is a, sh I, I mean, I try to remember, you know, um, and as you say, because for, for bizarre, I still don't know why, given that I watch crime shows and, and all of this stuff and yeah. have always done that, why um, we didn't watch Wise Guy when, when it, it first, first started. started, but I didn't. And yeah. um Oh, probably too way too busy and <laughs> yeah, um wouldn't surprise me we so, only started the next year in 88 yeah yeah and um that was a strange sort of situation because daniel was <laughs> okay well, i'll just quickly tell you what happened was, tell the so story I'll, I'll tell the story uh so anyway we had this weird situation where i uh you know i, I ran a um ran oh my god i had a paper route i was a normal kid uh, so one day took, took judo, had a paper route and normal kid activities. One day, uh, while on my way to a place, I, I had a slip and fall and nearly shattered my leg. Like, uh, I was told by a doctor, and this is true, that it was the worst, uh, impact they had ever seen without a bone breaking. <laughs> I had a Strong bones. Left. Strong bones. Yeah. It's that, that French water in utero, uh, full of calcium. Yes. <laughs> Uh, oh well yeah that actually it's possible it's not impossible it's, it's quite possible right but anyway so what happened was um so i was literally laid up and i couldn't walk and coincidentally the week before i got injured my teachers at school went on strike yeah so there was a school strike and instead of being able to run around and hang out with my friends i was essentially on crutches for two full weeks couldn't do anything had to have my brother do my paper route and so i was like in a lot of pain and there was no reason for me to wake up in the morning so i started staying up very late and completely coincidentally uh the thing i normally watch late at night when i was allowed to stay up was david letterman david letterman was in reruns the week all of this happened like all of these things had a confluence and you started watching A and E and Well, Wise no, it Guy. wasn't A and E. What happened was CBS, I, I think CBS or ABC, whichever one, didn't have a late night talk show at the time. So they tried to figure out what do we program after the nightly news at eleven thirty, and they did something you can look this up called Crime Time After Prime Time, and they showed for two hours two of their crime TV shows. 
And they just rotated and they would show that like one episode every night. So the previous year they had shown Wise Guy, like the the new episodes of what uh, like uh, every, every week. And now they just were showing them Monday to Friday every single night at 1130 at night would be an episode of Wise Guy. And then when Wise Guy ended, they did another show and blah, 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 blah. But when we started in the entire time I was home, both sick and from <laughs> school, Wise Guy was the show they were showing. And so we started watching a third of the way through the first season because you were up late. The kind yeah, of work I'm you a were night doing. Owl. You're yeah. a night owl anyway. And you were doing, you know, PhD level work. So you're just up late reading anyway, and I'm in the next room watching this show. And so you start, and you quickly realized, this is a really good show. (laughs) And so in three weeks of me being out of school and laid up, we just became the biggest fans of this show. And we started watching the new ones when it aired, because it was in season two then. And then we watched through season three and its cancellation. But yeah, that is how we got into Wise Guy. It's a, a complete series of bizarre accidents. Yeah, because happen. I hadn't watched it before. Yeah. And normally you would have, but I'm sure it was just against something you were already watching. Oh, it was like either that. against something or I was teaching at night. Or and you were te- yeah, that could have been one it, of the it didn't. It wasn't terribly appealing. I, I don't know. Maybe the advertising you know. wasn't good. Like, I don't know what the ads for this show were like. No. It's not like we knew who Ken Wall was, you know. No. Uh, it's not like we were with it enough about TV creators to understand the significance of a Stephen J. Cannell show. Like, awareness of TV creators I, doesn't yeah. start until Joss Whedon in the late 90s. Yeah, that's, the that, first that's time, really true. No, the first and, time in the history of television, the guy who created a show became a noteworthy figure that, like, the general public had heard of. Not TV nerds. I think that's accurate, isn't it? Yeah, that is true. I mean, even um, Straczynski. Yeah, no, he he like was not, he did not become someone who was broadly known until after Joss Whedon Mm-mm. and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Even though you're right, he was the star creator of Babylon 5. It's not like p- people were clamoring people to People thought about him. it. Yeah, people didn't think yeah. about the show's creator or the showrunner. That was an inside baseball kind of thing. All right, so this is so, a roundabout way of saying that the show could have gone two ways after this pilot, which is yeah. it can be a guy in this criminal organization desperate to take down this guy who is a villain and will never forget that he's a villain because he had his friend murdered. Like Dave yeah. Steelgrave is the big bad. And by killing off that guy, it opens up the show's possibilities, right? Because now all that's left is Sonny Steelgrave. And Sonny Steelgrave, and I'm sure he's fine that the FBI agent got killed, he didn't do it and he didn't order it done. Yeah. Vinny doesn't have a personal grudge against Sonny Steelgrave. And right from their first scene together, they kind of like each other and have good chemistry. Yeah. So by taking Dave Steelgrave out of the mix, it means the show is going to go to much more interesting places. Yeah, and that is, and that was, instead of getting this villain that you had in, this is the first change from Crime Story. Yeah. Right? Where there is this villain in Crime Story and they just watch him, chase him for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you're you're all set to have that kind of a, a situation and it doesn't. And then, no. of course, now that Dave is gone, Sonny takes over. Yeah, Sonny takes over, and more importantly, it it becomes this weird thing where Vinny needs Sonny to like him to get deeper into the organization, but Sonny just desperately needs somebody to talk to. Like, Sonny needs a friend. His brother, who he has been inseparable from his entire life. Yeah. Right? And who is, you know, they've worked, they they took over this concern from their father. And they've been, like, groomed for this their whole lives. Suddenly his brother's dead, and now who does he have? Yeah, and not Tony Greco. Well, pretty quickly, (laughs) not Tony Greco. And this is where it gets interesting, because um, there is is a plot problem here. There is an an inelegant solution and a real plot problem here. Because they, uh, right after they shoot up the place, the villainous arms dealers go down to the uh, warehouse, shoot the place up, steal their guns back, right? And uh, get on a boat and go out to sea. So Vinny, who managed to not get shot in the whole fracas, uh, calls up Frank and says, 
take a hundred thousand dollars because he found he finds out from the gun dealers obviously in that conversation exactly how much money tony got paid off that he didn't kick upstairs any of upstairs and he says go open a bank account in tony greco's name put the hundred thousand dollars in it at the place where he normally banks and make sure that the bank manager mentions that a woman who looks like the arms dealer's secretary deposited the money right and so he sets up tony greco quite expertly tony greco comes to kill him he gets arrested uh he gets arrested and put in the bag by the fbi it's all very nice and now we're in a situation where Sonny has learned that tony betrayed them and tony's betrayal got his brother killed and Vinny's the one who revealed on it so uh, who revealed it so obviously he's going to be in a position to uh he's going to be in a position to exploit that and become close to uh to sunny but we're still left with an uh, one action scene short of a show and this is where we get the plot problem because the arms dealers leave and then sunny's lo- and then vinny's like uh yeah after they shot up the motel i called the warehouse and had them switch out all of the weapons and put in you know a bunch of just heavy weights and rocks That's- in all the boxes Right, with one crate full of guns at the top in case they checked. And so they just loaded nothing and we still have the vast majority of their guns. And that sounds great, but it doesn't track with what we see in the episode. <laughs> no. Because when the guys show up, like the people guarding the warehouse do not like act like people who think there are guys coming to shoot them and rob them of their guns. Right? They just don't, and it's kind of frustrating because, like, if son, if Vinny warned them that somebody might be coming to take the guns, you'd think they would have taken some precautions other than swapping them out. And if you had a thing where, like, Vinny told them, uh, instead of starting a gunfight on the pier, just like leave the warehouse unattended and let them take the fake guns, and we'll figure out the money later. That's fine. That would have worked perfectly. But the fact that, like a bunch of guards get killed during the robbery makes it seem like Vinny didn't tell them anybody was coming, but we know he did because they switched out the guns. Yeah. Like, so it just, it it doesn't track logically. They need to get to a gunfight at the end of the episode and it doesn't track logically how they get there. I think that's fair to say, right? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there was a whole bunch of things, but my God, when they blew up that helicopter. Oh, you know, it's a fun scene. (laughs) You know, who cares? You're not supposed to think about the plot points. You're right, you're right, you're right. (laughs) No, no, I mean, just because we do. It's labored, is what I'm saying. It's labored and it's not reflective of the rest of the show. Where, well, (laughs) it was the pilot. It was the pilot. They were still figuring stuff out and they had to have a good good fight. And there's a great gun, I'm not saying there is, there's a great gunfight at the end of the episode. Oh my lord. Oh, it's so entertaining. There's people shooting each other with machine guns, blowing up cop cars with rocket launchers. There's this unbelievable stunt that you kind of have to see to believe where, you know how un- um, warehouses and buildings will have like a um, uh, a ladder running up the outside of the building from the ground to the roof? And right at the top, there'll be a metal cage. because And the metal cage is there because you want to be able to climb down onto the ladder from the top and that's not safe to do unless you have something to grab onto like or you could fall quite easily so there is a shot where a man is sitting on top of the roof on that metal cage and he gets shot from the helicopter and the stuntman like flops backwards down the ladder through the metal cage and then gets hung up on one of the bars five feet down i'm like oh my god i can't believe someone actually did that because this is what people have to remember. This is stunt work. Pre-CGI, pre-erasing wires. Yeah. Like, yeah. This this is an actual man flopping backwards down a ladder 20 feet in the air. And trusting that all of the stuff. Yeah, all of the preps, his hidden harness, that pr- trusting that everything will work perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. Ooh. Which is why you had a lot more accidents in the early well, days. Well, that's true, yes. You did have, you used to have a lot more deaths in stunt work than we do now. Uh, it used to be quite normal, yeah. in fact, that people got grievously injured or even killed doing stunt work. But now, not so much. Now it's big news whenever it happens, and it almost never happens. But yeah, so the gun uh, fight happens. Uh, the bad guys are killed. I mean, everybody's bad guys, but you know. Yeah. 
the really bad guys. The arms dealers all get killed. Their <laughs> helicopter gets blown up. Uh, the villain is, I'm trying to remember what he's from, but he's like one of those character actors who's been in a hundred things. He was the lead of the the villainous rapists in the Shawshank Redemption. He's just, uh, oh, um, Aliens. He's, um, uh, oh God, what's his name? You know how the two people with the machine guns are Vasquez and, oh, Drake. He's Drake in Aliens. That's it. I couldn't remember the character's name for some reason. But he's like, he's a famous guy. Like, I mean, he's not famous famous, but he's a character actor who you would have seen in a hundred different movies by this point. So it's like, it's a, it's the kind of guy who is kind of a get to have as a, a villain on an 80s action show. So that was kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, everybody gets shot. We've got the ending. Vinny's cover is set. Uh, Tracy goes back to Los Angeles, bringing her mother with her. And then Sonny says... I, you know, Tony, Sonny is completely, he is afloat. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He needs somebody to have his back and he hopes Vinny can be that guy. And so he gives Vinny a test, which is kill the U.S. attorney who's making my life a living hell. Yeah. And thank God, uh, Vinny is able to, Vinny is able to get a phone call into Frank. So they're able to set up the guy to be wearing a bulletproof vest and a gun, a blood pack when Vinny shows up at his house and shoots him. Yeah. But that's all it takes. Like, uh, Sonny sees the dead body in the news the next day. It's reported that this guy was murdered in his home and it was probably mob related. And that's all it takes. Vinny's cover is set. And now we're off to the races and it's such an exciting ending to a pilot because yeah. you don't really know where it's going to go now. And you know, that's the point. Yeah. Like you have no idea where this show is going to go next because Dave Steelgrave's dead. He wants to take down the organization. He wants to take down Sonny and the big boys. And we should have mentioned that the the deal with getting to Sonny is that it's their way into the commission, which is the mob that runs New York and the mob generally. Yeah. What happens, and you have to understand, sort of, that's, that Vinny has to persuade them. Yeah. But I'm already, because now Dave's dead, so who cares, right? <laughs> right. You know, and so that was the end of that was his job was to get Dave, yep. right? Not necessarily the organization in his he head, just but now to get Dave. But now but he's got now, an opportunity. He's got an opportunity, and he says, "Let me do this. I can do this." Sonny will, you know, Sonny is ripe for this. So yeah. I mean, they they are. Vinny is setting up Sonny. Oh, absolutely. No question. No question at all. Yeah. Yeah, he is. So, and the question, and the only, the only question is, where is it going to go from here? And well, we're going to find all that out together. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> this is like, it, it is just, but as you're doing it episode by episode, I mean, this is just the pilot. And so it's not as dense as the other episodes start to get. Yeah. There, this room, that's the thing. It's a two hour pilot, right? But everything has room to breathe in it. Yeah, um, we did. We did mention uh, a one really fun scene where uh, Dave says that uh, the guys up in the north end of town, which is the black part of town, which is run by the black mob, uh, they have they are licensed oh, by the Steel Graves to yes. run a numbers game, which is the mob's illegal lottery. Yeah. And for the right to um, for the right to do that, they're supposed to kick fifteen grand a week up to Sunny, right? Up to Sunny and Dave. And okay. they didn't do that this week. So Sonny's got to go and have a conversation with them. And he brings Vinny. And it's a great scene. <laughs> yeah, these guys, yeah. Th these guys are up against the steel graves and they think that they can beat them. Yeah, they think that, you know, they think that Sonny's weak. They think Dave's weak. They think these guys are on the way out because the FBI is pushing it on them. And this is a time to make a move. And yeah. so uh, they go, they give them the, they go, they turn up, they insult the black guys in their own club. Um, sadly, I, I wonder if they weren't able to get Gravedigger Jones back. Because <laughs> you'll see the black mob again in uh, two episodes from now, but it's a different guy running it. And I feel like maybe they just couldn't get the actor back. But there's yeah. a great moment where he's like, I'm Gravedigger Jones. And he's seriously? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is the right answer when someone introduces themselves with a name like that. Seriously? Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. And then, now of course, you know, the guys tra- chase down and try to uh, kill Sonny and Vinny. And uh, they teach them a lesson by beating the he- ramming their cars and beating the hell out of them uh, with baseball bats and stealing their wallets and jewelry. And it's just a fun scene. And I'm, I'm sorry we didn't mention it earlier because it, it sets up the kind of person Sonny is. Yes. That's the first time you actually get to see this Sonny in kind action. Yeah. Sunny, the impulsive Sunny yes. that was always kept in check by, by his, his brother. brother. Yeah. And with his brother gone, who knows how this is going to turn out. But that's the keep. And you're absolutely right to mention that because it's like with Vinny there, he, he's just free to like, without his brother, you know, poo-pooing his wilder instincts, which is Vinny there backing him up as far as he wants to go. Sonny is free to insult a man inside his own business in front of all the people who works for him. Knowing that if they come after him, well, I'll just kill those guys too. Sonny is not full-on self-destructive, but he is overconfident to a ridiculously dangerous extent. Like, he is not at all concerned about himself. Like, he lives like he has nothing to lose. He lives like he has nothing to lose. He also lives like he can't die. Yeah, exactly. He lives like he's, uh, he, he lives his whole life like he is immortal. You're absolutely right. Like yeah. he's not worried about it at all. That's and that the is one, one of the thing parts of his character. Yeah. That you get and you, and it is set up right away. Right from the start, right from the scene when they go to the black part of town. And again, insult these guys in their own club, surrounded by their own men. And it's yeah. like, if, uh, if, uh, Sonny thought about it for a second he would think like what if someone came into my club my thing and insulted me in front of my he would know how dangerous this is but you kind of get the sense that he does know how dangerous this is and he wants to provoke something just so he can you know indulge his brutality yeah just so he has like he doesn't have a very exciting life anymore he's he has a day job running a casino that yeah. is as he constantly says 100% legitimate. And if you had watched Crime Story, you could, Crime Story, you can see how much better this is. Yeah. Like oh, setting absolutely. this character up uh, by by putting him as, as, in terms of an intergenerational mob family. Yeah. Whereas Ray Luca with, was this guy who was desperate off to the get street. in. He was a guy who yeah. came off the street, desperate to get in, desperate to make a name for himself. Whereas this guy is... He is the boss. He's unquestionably the boss. Like you say, it's intergenerational. This has been going on forever. But, and this is the key part, he he misses the street life. Yes. He misses being a tough guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and and this is this is Vinny's test. Yeah. And of how right. far Vinny is gonna go. Yeah. And Vi- to and, follow. And because Vinny completely has his back in this moment beating up the black gangsters at the north end of town and then Vinny's willing to shoot a fed for him you put all that together and how could he not accept Vinny as his substitute brother yeah you know it's it's a good scene and the thing is it's like yes the show is not as um the the show doesn't have as much time for these kind of moments in the future because there is so much plot to get through in every episode Yes, it is. It is a very dense show, but they still find they will always still find time to give you these character moments in the plot scenes from there. Because like this whole this whole like detour with the black gangsters is not really relevant to the plot of the pilot at all. It's just about giving Vinny and Sonny a a scene to bond with. Right. Yeah. And we. And we don't get as many of those going forward. Generally, it becomes a very plot-intensive show. But the show becomes masterful at getting us the character moments in the plot developments. Yeah. Like doing plot and character simultaneously. It's It only gets better from here. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's an incredible pilot, and it only gets better for, he- for uh, from here. And I know that if you're used to modern prestige television, this might not seem revolutionary to you. But all you have to do is go and watch... Uh... Go and watch a couple of episodes of The A-Team. Go and, watch, yeah. <laughs> uh, go and watch Hill Street Blues. Go and watch... Oh, God. What was the what was the cop show from the 70s? 
Oh, there's Simon and Simon. Yeah, there, Simon no, Simon there's go oh, watch Magnum and, PI. Oh, oh yeah, Detective Magnum story P. or whatever it was called. Police no, no, story. Was, police story. No, but what was the? Yes, I know you're talking about the two guys, Starsky and Hutch. Oh no, no, there was literally a show called Police Story, which told oh, antho- yeah, no, no. anthology things about detectives. Like, go back and watch yeah. these things. Yeah, and you'll and, see but, yeah. what this was like. What what was the market this was coming into? And Riptide. Riptide. <laughs> Miami Vice. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's this all is of these a shows. very different show from those shows. And most people haven't seen any of those. Yeah. Right. So. Um, but the amount of plot we're going to barrel through in the next eight episodes, uh, because the first story arc is nine episodes long, the two hour pilot and then eight episodes and realize yeah. when you're watching it, that this again is most prestige shows which are between six and 13 episodes long are using the wise guy arc as their template the only difference between wise guy and them is that wise guy had a whole season to fill out so they did multiple arcs whereas they do one wise guy sized arc and they just call it a season and they everybody goes home yeah it's really funny because it what what sprung to my mind that one of the more recent shows that are really arced yeah. is is um even with the same characters it's still really arced is billions yes every season there's a new criminal right the, there's and there's a new, str- there's a new like criminal a, and a scam and they reorganize the characters relationships with each other yeah and then that plays out for 10 episodes and then we go away from here we come back to the new season of billions Okay, well, because as it says, you know, um, the the lead billion, the lead evil billionaire couldn't just stay the lead evil billionaire that he can't catch every year, or you'd get yeah. very bored with the show. Yes, that's exactly it, and that's what happened with Crime Story. And that's exactly what happened with Crime Story. And Wise Guy is the show that says we can do this serialized. We don't have mm-hmm. to be episodic, and we can still be as interesting, right? as yeah. as any episodic show now there ends up being a problem with wise guy uh the structurally because later on when you start watching it they'll be like literally 90 seconds of explaining what happened up to this point at the start of an episode because they were still afraid that people were would like tune in for the first time and have no idea what was going on well yeah but but the thing is is that that structure like that wasn't a problem for us back then. All oh, shows did that. I mean, even The Mentalist says next next week on The Mentalist. I know, right? I know, I know. All of these shows had the either sometimes they had well, well no no shows every like show this did. had the lead in and then next week every on. show did next week every show did uh, on tonight's Riptide and then at the end of the episode they'd say next time on Riptide and Wise Guy does yeah. that too and that's fine. What Wise Guy has to do that the other shows don't have to do is previously on Wise Guy. And yeah. other shows shows would do that with a two-parter. But Wise Guy, every episode was a multi-parter. Like, every episode of the show was following directly the events of the previous episode. Yeah. But it had to, I think. Uh, I mean, you're, you're switching. Absolutely. You have to know what you have to keep. It's your audience's expectation. There's also the issue, as you said, of of advertising and making sure that people don't switch. Yeah. You want to get them excited. So as I said, it's a trailer Absolutely. for the next they... hour. It's 15 second trailer for yep. the next hour so do. that you're not going to switch and go watch. I don't know. Marcus Welby. <laughs> Why do, <laughs> well, what do I know? You know, I don't think Marcus Falcon Crest. Well, Falcon Crest yes, was still on. I don't think Marcus Welby was still on by the time. Was long gone, but. But no, but but you're right. Your point is correct. Like, are people going to switch over to the Equalizer? Are they going to keep watching and see Wise Guy? And that's what the teasers are for. Um, So was the Equalizer on against. I have no idea. I, I, that, I have not checked. I, you brought it up because it was on at around this time. It was right? around. No, they, and they, we watched they the Equalizer. Crossover. Maybe that's why we weren't watching this. You know and what? This because, is something that's easy enough for us to find out. Because VCRs, right? Yeah, exactly. You, what you have to understand is this idea of the PVR where you could tape, tape everything. One thing. Everything. <laughs> you, well, usually four things at the same, at the same hour. time. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's still pretty And amazing. watch a fifth. Right. Yeah, and watch. That's what you can do now, but you couldn't do that if you were going to tape something. You taped it because you were going to be gone. Yeah. You could not 
watch one thing and tape something else. You could. You could tape one thing while watching something else. There was a TV VCR button that you could, um, on a lot of VCRs, not every, where you could cut off the feed, right? So, like, you would let the feed pass through. So it would record the show, and then you would have to manually switch the channel on your uh, remote. Like, this is, this is true. This is a technology you guys might not know about. But in the past, you would have a video cassette recorder, VCR, hooked up to your TV. And in order for the video cassette recorder to show up, your TV would have to be on channel three. And that's yes. how, that's how, like, retrograde this technology was. You literally had to have it on three. And then so you would, on the, on the channel switcher on the VCR, go to the channel you want, you would start taping. Then you would press a button to switch to watching the TV, and then you would be free to switch the channel on the TV and watch oh, a different was, show while yeah. you were taping that one. It was complicated no, I mean, and it was a mess. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I still have sitting, I'm going to get rid of it one of these days. Yeah. Because it's, it's useless now because I don't have a Wii. Cool. Um, because it was still okay. I could still run the Wii on it. But yeah, I mean, that TV still to run your Wii, you have to go to channel three yeah, and turn it on. If, if you want to watch something that's taped on the VCR, because I still have a VCR hooked up to that because you can't hook up a VCR to anything new anymore. Nope. So you have to have this old, old technology around. So if I put something in the VCR, it has to be on channel th- three if you want to watch, watch it. it. Yeah, like that's yeah, how restrictive still. this technology was. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah so know? it's, uh, it, we're living in a very different world, right? Yes. Technology the world... is a completely different world because now you mm-hmm. can watch everything. Like you can, you don't have to risk missing a show anymore in a way that you used to. In well, the and it's going to be streamed even if you do. Exactly. If you can wait six months, it's going to be streamed. It's going to so. show up on a stream. Exactly. <laughs> Like you back know, here, somewhere. back at this time, if you missed a show, you maybe never saw that episode of television unless you knew somebody who taped it. Because if a show yeah. wasn't a hit, it didn't get rerun in the summers, you know? And if a show didn't make it through five seasons, it didn't get into syndication. So these shows just disappeared forever. It's well, kind of crazy we say, now. And if you didn't have a TV channel that showed that thing, because, of course, Sault Ste. Marie had Fox from Detroit, and we which didn't was have a Fox new channel. Ottawa. Yeah, We did not have Fox in Ottawa. Nope. And my mother had to tape. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Yeah. Which was an amazing TV and show. And then we would come up here at Christmas or whatever. And get the tapes. And, well, what we would watch them right away but then yeah, my Rosh- mother started watching it of course because she was taping it oh yeah but sometimes she, she would forget it. yeah of course so and yeah there, there were be- episodes that we didn't see until it came out on dvd yeah because it wasn't like show. yeah it wasn't like it would track yeah of or course. it would change or you would set it up to tape but they, they would, would have change changed when it was on yeah you would have when it to was be on or on it started it. if it started 15 minutes later yeah <laughs> Well, or yeah, because, you know, sometimes there would be a football game on. You never know. Yeah. And it's fascinating because, that, and by the way, in case you want to see but something it was great, so uh, watch The exciting. Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Because it's the show The Wild Wild West illegally remade and Bruce Campbell's the star of it. And it's fantastic. Just yeah. beautiful TV show. Hilarious, action-packed, everything everybody wants. And the guy who uh, created it wa- had written Indiana Jones 3. And the other guy who created on it went on to co-create Lost. So very big television and movie royalty working on that one. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, okay. wise guy. Um, fantastic first two episodes. Something, if you're going to watch along with us, uh, something to keep in mind about episodes two and three, which is what we're going to be watching next. Uh, do you have the titles there? Uh, yeah. I know three just... is loose cannon. I don't remember what episode two is. Okay, just give me a sec. Okay. okay. Well, while she's talking, while she's checking for me, I just want to say something. Keep in mind, something that the show doesn't really explain and is supposed to be taken as read and you don't really get, and I think it's going to make it easier to understand, is that essentially Vinny is under with them for a really long time. The show doesn't do a great job of explaining it, but there are, like, the each episode is about a new plot all within this overall story arc, but they're not like the events aren't directly following each other the way you would on the show Breaking Bad. Like you watch the show Breaking Bad, all five seasons of Breaking Bad take place over the course of 13 months. Yeah, not this one. Whereas Wise Guy, every episode takes place like from one to two months 
after the next episode. Yeah, and like you can and and you get even the sense that there is time. Yeah. Right? Now, uh okay, so episode 2 is called New Blood. Okay, now I know which one it is. All right. Okay. Please and then cannon. episode 3 is Loose Cannon. Yeah, okay. So that's what we're going to be watching next time. New Blood and Loose Cannon. Uh New and Blood's important still... because I believe that's where we meet Paul Patrice. Oh yeah. Who is Pat the Cat, who is a great character. He's the guy that uh, is based very openly on John Gotti. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, I is that the one where we also see uh, who's... Um, is that is that Sid Royce's first episode? I don't... I'd have to check yeah, to see. Well, well to let, let me go see. Let me go see. Yeah, just check it's Sid not Royce's that first hard. Because Sid Royce is just a fantastic character who you'll also meet. And again be ready because most shows take time yeah, Sid for ca- Royce. Yeah, Sid Royce. Yeah. Okay. Sid Royce, Paul Patrice, and uh, yeah, everybody's, everybody starts up. And this of episode. course we meet Harry, Harry, the Harry, Hunchback. the hunch. Yeah. Oh, another Harry fantastic Christmas. character. What Harry a Christmas, character. Yeah, as Harry, the he's, hunch. He's the, he's the, he's the, the historical the mob historian. <laughs> yeah. Basically he knows everything. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the old Irishman who knows everything about the mob. Great yeah. character. Um, so, like, every other show, my what, what we now think of the prestige shows, will have plot scenes and they'll have character scenes. And like I said, it's always about both and Wise Guy. But what you also have to prepare yourself is how how much happens in an episode of Wise Guy. Yeah. Like, these episodes are packed. Like, if you think about the amount of stuff that happens in New Blood... Like, I, I'm not going to go over the whole plot now, but you just no, think about how much... No, just stop about no, it. No, 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 I'm stopping. Don't yeah. worry, I'm not going to spoil it. But it's like, so much happens in every episode. It doesn't feel like anything you're watching today. And yeah, it's eight minutes longer than television is now, but it's more than eight minutes longer. It's a, just a different philosophy of how to assemble an hour of television. Yeah. And that's what you're going to be, you're going to have to prepare yourself for. It is one of the densest shows around. All right. Particularly if you are fans of Criminal Minds. (laughs) Oh my God. And we are, and we are going to get a serial killer. We are going to get a serial (laughs) killer soon enough. All right. So uh, let's wrap it up here. As always, we want to thank you for listening. We're going to be back here next week, uh, next Wednesday for the new episode of Style Section. If you're watching along on Prime, uh, the ep- that is episodes two and three of season one. New Blood one. and the Loose Cannon. New Blood and Loose Cannon. Both are very interesting for different reasons that we are going to, and we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. So yeah. be ready for that. And let's see. Uh, no, I think that's that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing new on Criminal Minds. New, that's now no, done. No Criminal Minds news yet, but we're, you know, hopes. Oh, we, we are going to do the Odd Tuesday show. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be around the time that new, that, that Wise Guy style section starts. But we are going to uh, look at uh, a Korean movie and an Indian remake of that Korean movie. That's true. We got so drunk on our love for Criminal Minds Korea that we ended up watching one of my favorite all-time Korean movies. And then we found out it had an Indian remake. So (laughs) we're going to have have a lot of fun one of the upcoming Tuesdays. So be on the lookout for that. That and that is just fun. Oh, it is. (laughs) So, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any movies or TV you think we should watch, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We're going to see you back here next week for all that. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Thanks for listening and au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network. (laughs) 